Welcome to Seeking Scripture Deep Diving Bible Study. I'm Christy Jordan, and I want to help you develop a firsthand relationship with the whole Word of God. For links and graphics mentioned in my podcast, please visit the corresponding post on SeekingScripture.com. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. Good morning, siblings. Today's readings are Revelation 9-12. through 12. Patty Rett's revelations continue as my sister shares her personal notes. Rabbit Trails, <laughs> Revelation 9. So, here's the deal. I don't think all these plagues are afflicting the same people. Otherwise, that entire section of the earth and its inhabitants would have been wiped out, and the rest of the world would be scared but not affected. It seems to me that these plagues, fires, bottomless pit, etc. are happening sporadically all over. Otherwise, everyone could just flee to a safer area. Will we be affected by every curse? Emotionally, yes, but physically, I don't think so. Also, he was describing things based on what he was most familiar with. There wasn't any technology available in that day. Therefore, if he was seeing something, like we have in our time, he wouldn't really know what he was seeing and would have to describe it based on what he knew. I really wonder if these locusts he describes might not be an animal at all. Maybe a drone. Just curious. How would you describe a drone if you had zero knowledge of one? They fly, have armor, some have capability or shooting, have cameras. It's just a thought, really, but I wanted to mention this because we see mutant insects when we read this, but he didn't have anything in his life that could compare to the modern advances in our world. I keep this in mind when reading all Bible prophecies. They are descriptions based on their environment and all they know. How could they describe an airplane if they had no knowledge of one? Maybe liken it to an eagle? Revelation 9.19 Could this be describing something like a tank? Just wondering. I don't think these visions are literal, but they could be. I'm just open to the possibility that these terrifying creatures are modern warfare advances we are already familiar with. Revelation 10.1 At least this angel also has God's promise, a.k.a. the rainbow, with him. Does this confirm his promise not to flood us with any more curses? The rainbow was his promise to not flood the earth again. A rainbow is not something God would haphazardly throw out there. It was a miraculous creation he made for us as a reminder of his promise. I think this angel came with a promise that God will reveal to us in his own time. That's why he couldn't write it down. Revelation 10.4 I think this is more proof that we are not supposed to know everything. This reminds me of Deuteronomy 29.29. Revelation 10 This whole chapter ends like a spy movie. The spy takes the message and eats it so the enemy can't intercept the message. Revelation 11.2 The area outside of the temple, is this like Solomon's colonnade where the Gentiles were allowed to come to hear and learn, where Yeshua spoke to the masses? It says it was near Hanukkah, and Yeshua went up to the temple and spoke in Solomon's colonnade. Are these Gentiles that made Aliyah, which is returning to the homeland, are they there to follow the two witnesses? In his time, Gentiles were not allowed in the temple, and so they stayed in the court outside the temple. 
He would have known what this meant and understood them as not measuring the Gentiles yet, as they are there in the holy city to do their works for 43 months. Don't worry about the nations, which is Gentiles. Let them do as they wish. Note, we are not counted as Gentiles when we join ourselves to him and walk in his ways. We are spiritually Israel. But that is a whole Bible reading concept, not one that can be explained in a single post. It takes the whole book to understand. Revelation 11.4 These are the two olive trees, like the wild olive shoots. Are they grafted in? Are they Gentiles among the nations? Something to think about. Revelation 11.3 Sackcloth symbolizes grieving, but it is possible that these witnesses are probably just going to be dressed like most of the youth today. I mean, think about it. He probably saw a vision of two witnesses wearing modern-day clothes and couldn't describe how unkept they looked. I mean, have you been to Walmart? I wouldn't get hung up on the sackcloth detail. We're called to test all things. If we hear of two witnesses prophesying, we need to test them to know if they measure up and not worry about the sackcloth reference. Revelation 11.7, I'm going to say, we have a lot of religious zealots that hide in caves today that are extremely passionate about their their beliefs. Revelation 11.8, it is customary in certain places to leave bodies in the street as a warning to everyone. In many religions, it is believed that the body has to be buried within 24 hours so their soul won't be trapped on the earth. When they kill an enemy, they will not bury them within that time frame, so their soul was tormented. Revelation eleven nine, three and a half days. Interesting. I need to look, but it appears many were left dead for three days before resurrection. Yeshua is included in this. Also, note the word breath in Revelation eleven eleven, which is the Greek word pneuma, which means spirit. Pretty cool stuff. Revelation eleven nine through twelve. Seeing them die, lay on the streets impaled as a warning to others, and then rise would be enough to shake anyone's faith who didn't believe what the witnesses were preaching. This one will be super easy to counterfeit in today's world, though. Be very careful when you see two witnesses, especially if they are in sackcloth. Be leery and test it. Remember. Satan knows this better than us. It was customary in this particular time to cover themselves in sackcloth and ashes to mourn and grieve and protest. They took their fine garments off and put on rags, a.k.a. sackcloth, and burned offerings in prayer, then cover themselves with ashes to appear like a beggar and lower their status to the lowest in their time to get attention. There are lots of fakes out there. With all of our technology, We could even fake a resurrection. Revelation 12. There's lots of symbolism here. I could talk on it for days, but I'm just going to skip that part for now because, as I've said before, we aren't meant to have a complete understanding on this. We're supposed to listen and hear. But it's important to look through Hebrew eyes and see things as John would have seen them in his time. I don't quote Paul much because he is the most misquoted and misunderstood prophet in my opinion, but even he warned against getting caught up in stargazing. I think it was in a letter to the Corinthians. I'll find it. Let's remember, Paul was very highly esteemed. He was a very highly esteemed Pharisee Jew who had to witness everyone seeking answers and mystical things. 
Lots of stuff in chapter 12 has led to astrological conspiracies. I'm taking it at face value for this study because Christy's rushing me. (laughs) Bottom line here. This shows Satan has power to trick us, throw us off, and strike fear. He has power to cause floods and environmental things that could lead us to believe it is prophecy. He has knowledge that could woo us. We have to prepare for this battle. We will be here to discern and fight. Be prepared. He is going to make war on us. He's coming for us, but he's cunning and smart. The rule to any battle is to know your enemy. Well, the Bible is the sword of the Spirit. The whole Bible. I think this is where we put on the full armor of God and dive in. Test everything. Hold tight to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 We are saved by grace alone. Obedience is not the root of our salvation, but it is the fruit. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. I love y'all. Bye-bye.